Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and thank you so much for tuning in to the alien adventures of Finn Caspian. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, you soft as a pillow but hard as nails. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. <laughs> what? What was that? My new show, Bebop Tales. Ever since you put out the call for questions for me, I've been getting loads and loads of emails, and I'm ready now to do my show. So let's go. Oh, Bebop. That was going to be a special bonus episode, not part of a regular show like we're doing. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, you'll fight dinosaurs and mutant whales. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Did you just say you'll fight mutant whales? Yep. Have you actually fought mutant whales before? Tune in to Bebop Tales to find out. But hold on, you're supposed to be answering listener questions. You're telling me... A listener wrote into you and said, Dear Bebop, have you ever fought mutant whales before? You never know, Jonathan. These listeners are crazy. Wait a second. I don't think it's the listeners who are crazy. Okay, we're going to hold off on Bebop Tales until a future bonus episode. Okay, Bebop? But if any of you listeners out there do have actual questions for him, including about mutant whales, you can email bebop at fincaspian.com. That's B-E-E-B-O-P at fincaspian.com. Send him your questions and we'll include them in a future episode. Okay, but as far as this show goes, if you remember what happened in episode nine, the explorers had landed on planet Saffrite and learned that the planet wasn't actually a planet at all, but a giant alien just shaped like a planet. And that alien had swallowed Olivia and Olivia's parents who were now in a prison in its belly. And that would have been perfectly peachy. They could have just rescued the parents. Except Voltronic Zoo went and drilled a hole into Saffrite's hide. And Saffrite did not like that and got really, really mad. So that's where we leave things off as we head into... Bebop Tales. Nope. Turn that mic off. Okay. As we head into the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Episode 10, The Belly of the Beast. We have now arrived at the moment in the story when someone comes up with a plan. In the heat of the moment, cooler heads prevail and a hero figures out what to do. So far, every one of our explorers has done it. Finn, Abigail, Elias, Vale, and Foggy, they've all found some way to help save the day or steer the troop away from danger. And so it would have to be this way again. A hero would need to step up. Unfortunately, it turned out All of our heroes had their own plans. Run this way. No, this way. No, that way. Over here, guys. 
Where's everyone going? Why is everyone going that way? Come this way. We have to get to the pod. Somebody please save me. And when everyone has a plan, no one has a plan. And so the troop began to do the one thing that almost ensured defeat. They began to split up. Finn ran one way. Abigail, Elias, and Vale in their own directions. Voltronic Zoo stood absolutely still like a chrome scarecrow in the middle of an abandoned field. The light from Saffrite's eye began bouncing off his shiny metal, confusing matters even more. Foggy did his best to fly around and herd the explorers back together again. Wait, we have to stay together. The only way we're going to get out of this is to get back to the explorer's pod right away. Foggy flew higher in the sky. The good news is, it isn't too far from us. The bad news is, well, there's a lot of bad news, actually. What Foggy saw when he flew higher sent a chill down his circuitry. You know how when you get hurt or when you get sick, your body sends out something called antibodies? Basically, medicine that your body produces to stop a virus in its tracks. On you, those are just little, teeny, nearly invisible cells that go to battle for you, but you can't see it. But on a giant, planet-sized alien, antibodies look like enormous, armored ants, wearing purple helmets and waving around thin, sparkling swords. They swarmed over the hill, directly at the explorers. A ring of them encircled the explorer's pod, slashing at it with their tiny swords. Remember when your mom said there wasn't any life down here? Bale said to Finn as Foggy brought them together again. That was such a hilarious joke! The army of antibody ants marched closer and closer, swinging their swords. The explorers could see more of them on the opposite horizon, and they could hear them slashing through the armpit jungle that the explorers had just emerged from. The only way Marlowe's explorer friends can get out of this predicament is by traversing there. Where? said Finn. There! Where? Right through there. I swear it looks like you're pointing at Saffrite's mouth. Yes, of course. So what's over there, said Vale. A way for us to cut back to the explorer's pod from there. No, we mean you should travel in there. And where now? Into the mouth. The giant alien's mouth. Yes. And then what? And then we travel down into its belly where lies the crystal prison holding our parents. Okay, and then what? And then Marlowe Explorer friends come up with a new plan and save the day, as always. The antibody ants were now just a hundred yards from taking over the explorers. They could hear them shouting taunts and insults as they got closer. Look at those two-legged weirdos. Who has only two eyes anymore? That's so 90s. I bet that girl over there is really into something ridiculous like bunnies. What did he just say? Said Abigail, turning toward the antibody horde. Not now, Abigail, said Finn. Okay, fine, Finn. Then what now? We fight off hundreds of armed ants, or we dive into a monster's mouth. So, what now? Now, said Finn. Now, we go for it. Finn took off running. Saffrite's eye was now higher in the sky, and he could see two strange caverns ahead, what he thought might be her nostrils. Just rising over the horizon were two hilly formations. Saffrite's lips. Abigail, Elias, and Vale soon caught up with Finn. This is probably your worst idea yet, said Elias. And I kind of love it. Foggy flew over them, lugging along Voltronic Zoo, who had gone into shock after seeing Saffrite's eye. Someone please tell me I can just leave him here for the ants. They'd reached Saffrite's mouth, down in the shadows, beneath the beam of her eye. Okay, said Finn. Listen, I know I've made a lot of mistakes up to this point. I should have told you all about the twins. Yep. Yep. And I should have gotten more information from the twins about what this planet was going to be like. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we agree. Those were my mistakes. So that means you guys are not responsible. I think only Olivia, Olivia, and I should enter Saffrite's mouth. We don't know what it's going to be like in there. And the chances of making it out again are really bad. It's my fault. We go. You guys stay. Okay. 
said Abigail. Been nice knowing you, said Elias. Keep it real, said Vale. Yeah, I got somewhere to be, said Foggy. Finn looked shocked, and then the whole <laughs> troop began to laugh. Look, we're here together, and there's nowhere else to go, said Abigail. Down the hatch. The four friends started to climb Saffrite's bottom lip as the twins and Foggy hovered above. But when they got to the top, they couldn't find a way in. I'll take care of this, said Vale. He shot an arrow straight down next to his foot, piercing the soft soil of Saffrite's lip. Her mouth opened wide and the four friends jumped in behind Saffrite's teeth before she could chomp down on them. Their feet and legs were immediately submerged in a thick, oozy liquid. Saliva! Alien saliva! It was Saffrite's spit, of course. But none of them could actually bring themselves to say it out loud. If it's okay with all of you... I'm going to put Voltronics down now, said Foggy. He's heavy, and I have a feeling I might need use of my hands. Foggy laid Voltronics down in a small gap between two of Saffrite's back molars, and waves of saliva lapped up the robot's chest. Okay, said Abigail. Here we are. What now? The explorers heard a strange sound and looked over and saw Olivia and Olivia splashing around between Saffrite's teeth and her gums in a small pool of saliva. Uh, what are you doing, said Elias. Olivia doing the backstroke through some bubbling spit, and Olivia scrubbing her arms like she was in a French spa, looks surprised. We are preparing. You all should be preparing as well. Preparing for what? said Vale. To be giant monster spit sponges? No thanks. But then, all of a sudden, the pools of saliva began to swirl. The dark cave toward the back of the mouth began to contract and widen. Oh no, said Abigail. We're about to be swallowed, aren't we? Finn shrugged. What did you expect? I don't know, she said. I guess I hoped we'd find another way. And with that, Saffrite washed the Marlow explorers down her throat. It was here that the friends saw the wisdom in Olivia and Olivia's synchronized swimming. While the two twins slid down the throat gently and freely, the five friends, including Foggy, bumped and thudded along the giant dry esophagus. I wonder what we taste like, said Vale. Oh, humans are notoriously terrible tasting. And so bony. Um, not that we would know from first-hand experience, Marlow friends. Quick, guys, grab on. Elias had taken hold of Voltronic Zoo and climbed aboard, riding him like a boogie board past the planet's trachea. Foggy refused, but Finn, Abigail, and Vale all surfed down Saffrite's gullet until they landed with a thud. The explorers climbed off of the robot, and they couldn't see anything. It was so dark. They crawled around, feeling a rough, almost stony floor. Foggy's eyes lit up, casting a pale blue light around the room. Where are we? said Finn. We are in the first of Saffrite's stomachs. This is a storage stomach, so we are not in any danger here. And how many stomachs does Saffrite have? said Abigail. Thirty-five. And how many of those are dangerous? Thirty-four. Great. Voltronic Zoo began to stir beneath their feet. Oh, my head. Where are we? In the first of the 35 stomachs of the giant planet piece Saffrite, brainless one. Voltronics passed out again. Okay, so 35 stomachs and one of them holds the crystal, right? Said Abigail. Correct. And are all the stomachs lined up in order or do they sort of split off and we can pick a shortcut maybe? Oh no, that would be tough on Saffrite's digestion. All of the stomachs are in order and we must pass through them all. Okay, said Elias. Foggy. I know Voltronics is heavy and not that nice, but if we leave him here, we may never find our way back. I know. I got him. The troop exited the first stomach, Vale leading the way, with Foggy trying to light the path ahead while also dragging Voltronics. Vale took one step into the second stomach and tripped, nearly falling over a steep ledge. Foggy reached out and grabbed the fabric of his spacesuit. Whoa! 
yelled Vale. The sound echoed around the room. Vale had nearly stepped off of a ledge. A deep valley extended beyond where his lights could reach. Huge boulders sat crumbled and decaying on the bottom of the valley. Where are we? asked Abigail. Oh, did we not tell you that Saffrite not only poses as a planet, but also eats planets? This must be where she keeps some of them as she digests. Hey, cool, said Vale. A giant planet that eats other planets and we just walked straight into its stomach. I'm sure we have a great chance of making it out of this. But the explorers pushed on, climbing carefully down into the stomach and up across the broken remains of past planets. They entered another stomach, where they had to climb around the edges to avoid a bubbling lava. And in the next stomach, there were dozens of little mouths all saying, But all they could do was nibble on the soles of the explorers' spacesuits as they ran across. In one stomach, there was a giant supercomputer, printing off a reel of tape miles long. Foggy flew up to read it. What does it say? asked Finn. Weird. It's just printing off jokes. Read one, said Elias. What do you call an explorer's troop traveling through a giant alien stomach? What? Lunch. That is a terrible joke, said Elias. It went on like this for hours and hours. Each stomach brought a new surprise. They bounced their way through a rubber stomach, dodged flying meatballs in another, made friends in peace with little hippopotamus creatures that inhabited yet another stomach. They took a wrong turn out of one stomach and ran into a big, squishy, squiggly blob. Oh, hello. It said as the explorers tried to back out of the room. Sorry, said Abigail as they shuffled back. Wrong number. You must be the little cretins. Everyone in here is so inflamed over said the blob. It didn't move, and they couldn't see any eyes or mouth on it. But when it spoke, little sparks and lightning bolts seemed to dart across it from side to side. I suppose I should sound the alarm and tell everyone you're here. No, wait, said Abigail. We really need your help. My help? (laughs) No one ever listens to me. I'm just the seventh brain of saffron. Not good for anything but overseeing digestion. Basically burps. I'm the burp brain. We don't mean any harm to saffrite, said Abigail. We're just looking for our friend's parents. This isn't the zoo, dear. You can't just go to security when you get separated from your parents. They're probably being digested in some dark chamber right now. Let me check. No, they are ensconced in the crystal prison, an impenetrable ball swallowed by saffrite. We would like to get them free, said the twins, circling the brain. Interesting. A giant spark shot from one side of the brain to the other, shocking A. Livia as she flew by. She returned to the ground with the rest of the troop, smoking. They must be in that wretched round thing lodged in the 35th stomach. I've been trying to get that out of there for ages, but can't budge it. The third and fourth brains think it's hilarious. Oh, look at the silly little seventh brain down there with the stomachs. Can't even play a simple game of marbles. So it's okay with you if we keep going then, said Abigail? We'll get it out for you, and we'll tell everyone you told us how to do it. I suppose that'd be fine. But if you run into any more brains, please don't tell them I let you live. The brain's sparks seemed to dim. I'd never hear the end of it. The troop thanked the brain, backed out, and continued on their journey. By the time they made it through to the 34th stomach, they'd been attacked, singed, insulted, tripped, tickled, knighted, interrogated, shaken, chased, dribbled, celebrated, humbled, castigated, graded, flung, slung, and wrung. It had been a long day. And yet, the 34th stomach held even more surprises. The whole stomach was full of webs. There was no way to cut through them. Foggy tried. The twins tried to bite through them. Elias even activated Voltronix's hand attachment, but he didn't have a blade that could do the job. 
So they slowly began picking their way through the web. They kept their eye out for any spider that may have spun the web, but with all of them climbing at once, it was difficult to see and impossible to sense any movement. As they worked their way through, they could see a light coming from up ahead. It is the light of the crystal prison, just like we had been told, said the twins. Come on, Marlow Explorer friends, we're almost there. But at that moment, a spider as big as a house dropped in front of the explorers. It hung upside down from webbing attached to the ceiling, where it had been watching them all cross through its web. Oh, it's been so long since anyone has entered my cave. The creature hissed. I'm so excited. No one said a word, not even the twins. Did I surprise you? Did you think you could just walk into the final stomach of Saffray without any trouble? Again, they didn't say anything. The spider clacked its pincers together. Oh no, please don't misunderstand me. You can all pass by me. You can solve this riddle. And what if we can't, said Finn. Then I will eat you with salt, pepper, and a little bit of that lava juice you passed 32 stomachs ago. It's delicious. But first, you give me a riddle, just for fun, to get us all warmed up. The troop were silent a moment. But then Elias pulled out a long, thin piece of paper from his pocket. I grabbed some from the supercomputer, he said. I thought it might be fun to read them on the way home. He paged through the jokes, looking for a riddle. Okay, here's one. What only starts to work after it's been fired? Easy. A rocket. Give me a harder one. Uh, what do you call an alien with three eyes? Vale looked puzzled. Oh, that's actually a pretty good one. Alien. Easy. A-L-I-I-I-E-N. The explorers looked defeated. Okay, I can see you're not going to challenge me. So here's mine for you. Around you I spin, but disappear whenever you see gold. I've been around for millions of years. But I'm only a month old. The explorers sat down to think. Okay, so spin. You see a gold. It's only a month old. Disappears. So what's a month old? Around a million years. It was born a month ago, but it's a gold treasure. Maybe a leprechaun. The spider danced around, clacking its pincers, excited to watch them squirm. But eventually, it grew more and more agitated. Elias, though, seemed like he was just on the brink of figuring it out. When the spider shouted, Enough! It darted out and snatched Elias by the ankle and rose above the webs, dangling him in the air. It slowly lifted him up towards its jaws. Elias looked up at the spider, then down at his friends and said, Why am I always the first one to get grabbed? Okay, so this is Jonathan and I'm here with my editor named Griffin. Griffin, please say hello. Hi, hi. Hello. And Griff, what did you think of the episode? It was pretty good. Okay, pretty good. And uh, did you have any questions for me after this episode? Um, how many brains does Saffrite have? That's a very good question. Part of the idea for Saffrite's biology here is, you know how cows have four stomachs? Have you ever heard that before? No. So cows have four stomachs and that helps with their digestion. So I was thinking that if an animal was as big as a planet, that it was going to have to have more than four stomachs, right? And then it probably can't just survive on one brain, right? It has all these different parts that, and the brains have to tell those parts what to do. So that was the idea. So I don't know how many brains it has. We know it has at least seven. My theory is that it has eight. I think it has 575. 575 brains? Yes. So that's probably, there's probably a lot of arguments that go on inside Saffrite then. Okay. And one thing I wanted to point out is that the spider who has the riddles, it's not quite, we talked about homage or tribute before with the voyage from the John Treader. That spider is sort of an homage to another book. Do you know a book where the main character is given riddles that he has to solve mm. and is attacked by a giant spider? The Hobbit. No, don't say it. It's like, they have to ju- <laughs> no spoilers. Hobbit. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we were going to have to guess what book it is, but, but Griffin solved it. It is The Hobbit. But there is still a riddle remaining. And the Explorers Troop need your help. If you can please help them solve that mystery, email earth at fincaspian.com if you think you know the answer to that riddle and we'll convey that to our explorers, okay? So earth at fincaspian.com, solve that riddle and we'll send that answer to the explorers. And we have something special that we'll send out to all those who help us solve that mystery. Okay, so I want to give a shout out to our Bebop cooks this week, the people who sent in Bebop food. We have a great drawing from Ezra in Chicago. Ezra is seven years old and he drew Foggy and Finn and kind of ominously poised above them is Saffrite's tail about to come down and wham, hit Foggy and Finn. So thank you to Ezra from Chicago for that. And then we also got a great drawing from Leilani uh, down in Florida. And she drew, uh, I think she perfectly captured what was happening during the episode where the five-headed Bob monster and the black Bob monster. And thank you so much to Leilani or Lani. And now we have our jokes for the week. And this, actually, Lani and her sister Chaska, they sent in jokes. So here are the jokes from Chaska and Lani. This is Chaska Power calling from Orlando with my joke. What did Jupiter say to Neptune? You're looking a little blue today, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and now here is Lonnie's joke. This is Lonnie Power calling from Orlando. Here's my joke. Why is space so clean? Because everything's in a vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. Thank you so much to Lonnie and Chaska and their sister Maribel for listening and for sending in their jokes and their art. Really, really appreciate it. They actually have a really cool podcast. It's called Book Power for Kids, where they review books and uh, act out the books that they're reviewing. It's really cool. You can check it out. Book Power for Kids. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check out that podcast. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for today. Griffin, you got anything else you wanted to ask or say? Um, no. You want to say goodbye? Bye, bye, bye. All right, thanks, buddy. Once again, thank you all so much for listening and sending in your jokes, your ideas, and your Bebop food. I didn't even talk about how much Bebop has been enjoying the food lately. In fact, if you go to FinnCaspian.com, you'll see his reviews for each piece of art. He's been writing about them as if they were meals and he was a restaurant critic. It's a little weird, but you might like it. Check it out. Special shout out to Ezra from Chicago and Chaska, Lonnie, and Maribel from Orlando for their art and jokes. Thank you for sending those in. If I haven't talked about your art yet or played your joke, believe me, it's coming. And remember, if you can solve the spider's riddle, email earth at fincaspian.com and hopefully we can get some help up to the explorers. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a type drawer media production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger. A special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in Australia. Huh. Mark must be on vacation. Congratulations to him on that, of course. And for more information about the music, the art, everything about this show, check out the show notes. And don't forget to check out Book Power for Kids podcast. Thanks again for your jokes, your art, your ideas, everything you've been sending. Keep them coming, and we will see you next week.
We bop tails, we bop tails, faster than a fox, slower than snails. We bop tails, we bop tails, we bop tails. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called the Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube.